All right, you guys, once again, welcome to the Ball Never Lie podcast. I am one half of your host. I am the coach here. Luke Foe, what up, man? We here. Once again, we want to thank everybody that's out listening, that's subscribed, that's subscribed to us. We want to thank our rookie listeners, our first-time listeners, our seasoned vet listeners that's been with us since day one. We appreciate you guys, man. We continue to, to bring you what you guys want to hear, what you guys want to know. So let's start. Let's get into it, man. It's been a good week of basketball so far, an intriguing week so far of news with everything leading up, man. What you want to start with? Um, Brooklyn, man. They didn't grab two different coaches. Interesting to read and hear about. It's it's gonna be different to see how this works. I think this kind of gives uh Steve Nash a cushion with Dan Tony. You know, to lean on him because he's been a head coach for many years in different generations. So it's cool for him to have that. But I want to see what uh Stoudemire does. Is he a is he really just like a player development coach or is he going to be like a true life assistant? So I was interested, interested to see that and see what's going on over there with that. Yeah, definitely. I like, I like the the coaching staff that Steve Nash has put together all around him overall. He's also added Ime Udoka to that coaching staff. Another oh, yeah. name, another name that I didn't know that was a player development assistant coach was Tiago Splitter. I don't know if he was there last year, if they just brought him on this year, but I thought that was a that was a good transition for him as well. See how that would work out. And then we already know he has the, he's retaining Jacques Vaughn to that coaching staff. So I feel like, like you said, he has the right places, the right pieces in place with Dan Tony, someone to lean on. I want to see how much of his offensive strategies is he going to use only because I don't see that seven second or less offense being put in and on the back end of Kevin Durant's career and having that wear and tear on him coming back from an Achilles injury. So I want to see how much of that's going to be emphasized. And like you said, it's it's cool to see Amari Stoudemire back in this role. So it's for us, I want to see how how expanded is that role. He's going to do wonders for Jared Allen, so that's going to be good. And for also the young players just surrounding Brooklyn. So for me, I just think now it comes down to the wear and tear and the durability of these players and what type of leadership can the coaching staff provide when, when shit hits the fan because it will no – no team is perfect. There will be a stretch where they go on a two, three game losing streak. So I want to see how what this coaching staff do to just galvanize their troops. Yeah, that I really want to see how the roster fills out for me to make a fair assessment of you know what the coaches can bring and what the team's going to bring because they got a little bit of money and then they have flexibility with you know the pieces they have and if they retain Joe Harris or not. All that is going to play a factor in how dominant or how, you know, much of a failure this team up is. Yeah, definitely. I want to see the the roster fits, if they if they will or deal Spencer Dinwiddie, if they decide to go after a Drew Holiday, now that we know that the Pelicans are interested in dealing him, or is Brooklyn going to be willing to pull the trigger on that? So, a few moves definitely got to be made during this free agency period. Whenever that comes, when we know that will, that will come, we still don't know. So we just got to sit back, eat our popcorn, and just continue to watch the NBA just play out and see what what's the next step that they're going to take going forward. Yeah, I mean, we are in November, so most likely free agency is going to come 
beginning of December or at the end of November. I don't know. They got that vote on Thursday, so we'll see how that goes and how everything plays out. But it doesn't seem like we're too far away. So it's, it's about to get real interesting, real spicy. Man, shit is definitely about to get real. And speaking on the league and their their upcoming dates, um, it's definitely interesting to see how if they're going to take the December 22nd approach and try to crunch everything in or if they're going to listen to the players more and decide to just push the season back to January 18th. And again, if they do decide to push it back to January 18th, the league is going to lose out pretty much on a billion dollars estimated um, roughly five to split down the middle to the players and the owners. So we know that has something to do with the starting date. And then also as well, the teams, there's been a lot of teams who just haven't played since March, which is almost a year. So we know that they're itching to get back. And some teams that were put out the bubble earlier, interested and treated to get back. So I, I got a, a proposition for you real quick that I think the league should probably do going forward that can probably accommodate all teams that were in the bubble and ones that didn't make the bubble. All right, let me hear. I think since the league wants to, if they want to continue to go forward, as far as maybe with a December 22nd push or even maybe a, a Christmas start date, let's put some, some bubble tournaments in the place. Like for example, the teams who didn't get a chance to play or the teams who exit out early, I think it will be really cool for us to see the Golden State Warriors get back and going early. We get to see Phoenix Suns and, and the maturation process of Devin Booker. Also teams like the Washington Wizards with John Wall coming back and what what he, he has to prove himself. So I think there's different ways that the league can start by getting teams involved who didn't play, but then also letting those teams who were in the bubble and had – long road to the playoffs they can still find their legs back more as with more bubbles being presented to us i think that would be a good way for the season to just slowly transition back into to a starting date and be a good fan a good thing for fans for everybody just to get familiarized with these new players some of our new rookies that's going to be ahead there's going to be some new faces in different different places so definitely just intrigued by that yeah, I hear you on that. And you know it's weird, like, after reading and really understanding the different start dates, I'm kind of cool with December 22nd because, one, we don't need the All-Star game. So they'll get a six-day break during All-Star period. So that's that's a big break. A week break is big for any team, any player. So I'm cool with that. Then let's talk about if they start in January. Like you said, they lose a billion, but the – the contracts for the players losing out is going to be crazy. I don't even know if dudes are really going to do it. Like, the, it's like a 40, what is it, like 40, 43% change in their, their salaries. And that, let's talk about dudes that's only making 1.1 million. They're going to be making 400,000. Exactly. Taxes or whatever. Who knows what that is? So it's like the risk is kind of crazy, especially when we know there's going to be injuries. So a lot of players probably going to either sit out again or they're going to try to push something. But I think I think it start honestly, I think the vote goes it's going to start December 22nd and then we're just going to see, you know, a little bit of load management or we're going to see more breaks. But another thing is back to backs. So if the December uh start happens, 
there's only 14 back-to-backs for each team. If it starts in um, January, there's 24 back-to-backs for each team. So that's a big difference. That's a 10, 10-game uh, 10 difference of back-to-backs. And we all know back-to-backs are the reason for injuries or the reason for fatigue or whatever. So December has way more pluses when you really look at it. It just sounds crazy because it's starting up so quickly. You're right. And that's the only thing, man. And again, at the end of the day, I feel that they will start on probably December 25th. You probably will probably get a Christmas start date only because it'll be more fitting for that time. You give the players a little bit more pushback. But like you said, at the end of the day, money talks. Everybody's not making that LeBron James, Chris Paul contract type of deal. So I think the players are going to they're going to have to bite their tongue. It's going to be some sacrifice that has to be made on both sides. But like you said, in the long run, it's probably more beneficial for them to start in December rather than January, because then you're also competing with the ratings of the NFL playoffs. And then they want to get things done before the Olympics begin also as well. And again, like you said, with the way the all-star game has been going, and this is just me, they don't need to have it this year. Last year was great to see, but overall, besides last year, all-star game has been a joke. It's something that's not needed. It will be cool to see if they still have three-point competitions and and slam dunk contests and skills competitions from that standpoint. But I'm sure the league will find a way to still give its fans entertainment while, while under these conditions. Yeah, and it's crazy. As we're talking about it, Woj just tweeted that the Thursday vote looks like they're going to approve December 22nd. So that's funny. We were just talking about that. Man, way to come with that breaking news, man. And, again, that's that's huge. And, again, it's beneficial for everybody, the fans. For the players also, yes, they do have to sacrifice, cut their vacation short. But another thing that they also fought for is that they wanted their summers back. And in order to get their summers back, you got to start in December. Yeah, exactly. And then, I mean, I know the little Olympics angle, but let's be real. We're kind of over that. Like, I don't mean to, you know, sound arrogant, but it's it's kind of a waste of our time. Especially if we're if we're not going to bring our, our super superstars, then go ahead. Like, let, let the young guys play. Like, I'm cool with that. But, man, if we bring the superstars, I don't really – it's not that important to me. Like, we already know we're going to win unless somebody really steps up. And that's why I want – the younger guys to play so we can have competition so we could maybe get punched on one time. Like I'm tired of blowing them out by 60. Like it's boring to me. Yeah. For me as a hoop fan and I, and I love our players here. It, like you said, it's not fun, man. Like blowing teams out by 42, 52. And like you said, I want to see the players like a Brandon Ingram, like a Gary Harris, just just throwing out young players out there who would play, who can fit the USA criteria and play for US Team USA. I want to see them get more of that opportunity to step up and for them to play. Like it was cool seeing Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum out there, and we saw them get better in their game also as well. And they take them taking steps along with Donovan Mitchell. So I think if the USA really truly wants to get their talent better. As far as Team USA basketball goes, I say you stick with the young guys and continue to develop them and you continue to bring in young talent and to get them better for for international competition. Yeah, like think about the headline in the summer we hear Trey Young versus Luka. Like that's going to be way more fun than LeBron versus LeBron, um, CP3 and whoever versus Luka. Like it's going to be unfair, but a Trey Young versus Luka is like, 
all right, you know, same draft. Luca, you know, took more steps. Let's see if Trey Young can lead Team USA. Let's see if Luca can lead his country. It's going to be way more fun. We have way more international players. So let them build up. And, you know, just like what happened with the Dream Team. Before the Dream Team, it was college dudes and, you know, non-NBA guys. So let, let us, you know, get back to being humble, put the young guys in. And now if we lose, then we go back and make the super teams again. But right now it's, it's too easy and our talent is way too advanced but not our young talent. Our young talent is, you know, closing in with other countries. Other countries are catching up. So I'd rather see that. I'd rather see competitiveness in the Olympics, honestly. Yeah, I definitely like seeing the Croatians of the world, the Serbias of those teams, of the Bogdanovich and the Jokic, see them put on for their countries. Like you said, I want to see a Zion versus Jokic on, on that stage and see if Zion can handle his own against Jokic. Like, that's that would be very interesting to see. Yeah, but moving on, man, let's talk about this Rockets hiring and the surprise. Yeah, man, Steven Silas, yeah, man, I've seen his name pop up a few times. Um, for those who don't know, he's definitely had coaching stints in the past for about the past 20 years. He has 20 years worth of NBA experience. He's been on Golden State staff working under Don Nelson, working with Steph Curry. So, you know, he's an offensive genius. Also working with Carlisle, not- notably lately with Luka Doncic. And Luka's credited him for his major improvement as his player in the league. I think I think this guy got some, got some things to show. I want to see him on this level. It's always good to see a black head coach get his, get his dues and get a chance. And he's been blessed with an opportunity what a lot of black coaches have. And what I mean by saying that, he has two MVPs on his roster. Yes, we can debate that Russ is not the OKC Russ, but he's better than a lot of players still at this level right now. And with him bringing in James Harden and seeing what the offensive success that they had in Dallas last year, I'm not looking at it from a number standpoint because the numbers don't tell the whole story, but just seeing how fluid it was and how it made Trey Berg better, a Tim Hardaway Jr. better, the ball in Lucas' hands better. I want to see what he's able to do with the James Harden and Russell Westbrook on his side as far as putting the ball in their hands and how innovative he can make the offense. Now, of course, it comes down to the roster construction. We know their roster's in shambles. They don't have anybody that's taller than, what, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, on that team. So I'm sure that there's going to be a major haul in as far as who they ship out, who they bring in. But I think I think the sky's going to be the limit for him. Yeah, like you said, he's the guard whisperer. So I believe, this is just my personal thought, I think they will fill out the roster, but I think this is going to be a guard-heavy rotation, meaning we're probably he's probably going to have three-point guards on the roster, a couple shooting guards, but they're going to rotate, you know, and try to get James Harden or Russell off ball more and take the pressure off of them and help them out a little more. That's just my personal opinion, but... Another thing that, you know, kind of settled this was retaining uh, John Lucas. I feel like that helps them, you know, ease in um, the new coach and helps them, you know, get acquainted with him because John Lucas obviously is known as the player coach. He was um, voted, you know, by Russ and James Harden to get the head coaching job. So to retain him was huge. And I think that was a smart move by the Rockets. 
So hopefully this works out. Like you said, he's been an assistant for years. His dad was a head coach. He has nothing but good, you know, reps all around the league. People love him. So it was a good hire. It was just a little surprising because we didn't really hear his name as a top candidate. We did hear that he, you know, was taking some interviews, but we never heard him as a top candidate. So for him to get signed was huge. Like you said, he's a black coach. So it's going to be very interesting. You know, I want to see him win. I want to see Harden and Russell work out, even though, you know, sometimes they frustrate us. I want to, I want to see something different this year, man. I, I want more competitiveness, but I also, you know, want to make sure that Harden steps up in the playoffs. Like, that's, that's the only thing that really matters with the Rockets. We know Russ is Russ. Harden is always a question mark because it's like he gets better but he does not get better in the playoffs. It's just like, okay, his game's better, but his decision-making or whatever you want to call it in the playoffs just doesn't equal up to the amount of work he puts in, you know, in the offseason and in the regular season. Yeah, I'm really getting tired of seeing the the masterful work of James Harden in the offseason, and then all of a sudden he gets the yips in the postseason. It just doesn't add up to me. I need somebody to make it make sense. Like, I get it. He's a great offensive talent. Top three offensive talent in the league as far as skill-wise. Nobody can debate that. But when it comes down to a winner-go-home situation, he does not show those same 36, 37-point triple-doubles that you're getting in a regular season in November and December. And then come playoff time, it's not there. They said it was it was wear and tear on his body. Okay, they bring in Russ. Again, he still doesn't show up and bring his full his full capabilities to the table. I understand it's a make or miss league, but the way that he even plays and performs out there from his his body posture and his body language, sometimes it just looks to me that he just mentally checks out and just says, fuck it. Yeah. And that's what that's what irritates everybody about it because it's like we're rooting for him. Sometimes he does piss us off with the way he plays, but you know, he still must see TV, so we root for him, but it's like he kind of just disappoints us every time in the playoffs, so it's hard to root for him in the regular season because, it's like, none of this shit matters. Exactly. It's like, okay, we've been here before. Now what? Yeah. All right. I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting, but, you know, it, it all depends on him and what he does. So it's like we can never give a fair assessment on the Rockets until we know that James Harden is – either ready for the playoffs or he's turning over a new leaf. Right. And I feel like this year, this year, this season can definitely be one of those. Just, we, we can't keep asking. He just got, we just got to decide after this point, but since we're on Houston really quick and I have my answer to this, you think Philly got a chance in the world to trade for James Harden? I was just going to ask you that. I mean, it depends what they offer him because, I see them getting rid of Ben Simmons before Embiid, even though a lot of people think they should get rid of Embiid first. I think, personally, big men like that are hard to come by, and that's why AD was so dominant in the playoffs. They're hard to come by. So for you to have a point guard slash power forward, whatever you want to call Ben Simmons, that, you know, really doesn't impact the game when it when it's half-court setting, it's like, yo, if I can get value for him and people overvalue him, why not trade him? And then we know Daryl Morey loves to will and deal. I feel like he should get rid of Ben Simmons. So I don't know if that'll get you hardened, but 
he might be able to put a package together. I don't know. I really don't know. Maybe Josh Richardson with that and maybe, you know, future picks. I don't see Harden being unobtainable like he used to be because of him not really fitting with Russell and him not performing in the playoffs. But maybe the the owner sees it differently. But, I mean, from a basketball mind, it's, it's kind of obvious that Harden isn't what we believe he is, but he's still very, very good. I'm going to say right now, hell no. And the only reason why I'm going to say hell no, and I get why from both sides that Houston would not do it and Philly would do it. Daryl Morey is in love with James Harden. He saw what he did for him and did for that organization over in Houston. So now I believe that, again, you should trade Ben Simmons over Joel Embiid because, like you said, bigs like that are hard to find who is dominated on the offensive side, control things on the defensive side as well. For Embiid, you just have to load manage him. And he also has to put himself in a better situation as far as condition-wise to be ready for attrition of a whole season, and that's including postseason. For Ben Simmons, you're more able to find a player like him rather than you are for NB, like you said, only because he doesn't affect the game from an offensive standpoint. Yes, he can get your players involved. He can set up an offense. Great defender. I thought this year was his first year showing that he can play both sides at a consistent level. But, again, when when you have a talent like NB, I can see why you want to match it with someone like Harden. I just don't feel that Houston would pull that trade because then, again, it goes back to being shown that – James Harden is the cornerstone of that franchise. And from the owner's perspective, he's seen how much money and how much that James Harden has grossed for him. So I don't, and I believe he doesn't see the same thing in a Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons from a Philadelphia team. So if anything, I believe Russ may get traded from Houston. They'll be willing to deal Russ before they'll be willing to deal Harden. Yeah. I mean, it's just hard to get value for either one of them. So it's like you said, it's probably a hell no, but we'll see. Cause I, I mean, the trade proposals or the rumors that I've seen for Russ is so damn disrespectful. It's like, no way you believe Russ is worth a penny, but whatever. I'll move on from that. Cause we could talk about that Russ hate for hours on hours. I want to yeah, talk about, day. <laughs> yeah, I want to talk about the free agency since it's so close and the power or the forwards period. So I had three most important um, free agents and they're not player option or restricted. And then I had a couple more on the list, but I want to run these three by you and, you know, talk about these guys. So I had Danilo, Ibaka and Joe Harris. So I'm going to start with Joe. I can see Joe going to the Mavericks. And being that third guy, I don't know why, but the last like two weeks, I've just been thinking about Joe Harris on the Mavericks and the fast pace, you know, the quick threes, how Luke is able to drive and kick, how Tim Hardaway Jr., you know, shot way better with Luca, and how Porzingis was getting those easy threes throughout the regular season and the early playoffs before he got hurt. Joe Harris could look very nice there, and I feel like the Mavericks – we, like, we know the Mavericks. They like to o- overvalue guys. When when uh, DeAndre <laughs> Jordan was up for free agency, they tried to give him $100 million when he was probably only worth 60 Hey, let's not, forget, 
Courtney Lee just got twelve million from there, and he didn't he didn't play three games. Exactly. So seeing him there would be crazy. Probably be overvalued, but that I think that'd be crazy. But you know, of course, the Nets is the second option and the only option. I only have two teams for him because everywhere else just doesn't really make sense regarding his position. I don't think after this year he'll be a bench guy, so I don't see him going to like a Clippers or a Lakers. Right. I see the Nets because, you know, we already know Kevin Durant's probably going to play small forward, power forward, or Joe Harris could play shooting guard. So that's why I have those two teams. But for Ibaka, man, I got a wild card team that people aren't really talking about. I think I seen one person. That was Rick Barry. How do you feel about Ibaka on the Warriors? I don't know why. I feel like that's that's dope. Like, yo, that's that's a that's a good one. I haven't heard of the Warriors either. So for myself, just since we're on Ibaka, real quick, I got I got the Celtics down for Ibaka since they need a big someone who can play that four and five balance out there their lineup a little bit. And I also had him down in the Houston Rockets if they decide to go after him. Someone mm. who can stretch the floor, be able to play offense and defense on that fluidity level. But again, Golden State, that's an interesting team right there. I feel like if they wanted to go after Serge Ibaka and he'd be willing to take somewhat of a pay cut, that would be a great fit for Golden State. Definitely someone who's interchangeable, can play four or five, and you don't really miss a beat with him on the court. Exactly. And I kind of seen, even though, you know, we don't know what's going to happen in the draft, let's say they go get Ibaka and then they draft, you know, James Wiseman. That would be crazy having those two seven-footers James is showing he could play outside a little bit, but Ibaka, we already know, can play outside. And then Ibaka could mold him. Ibaka plays defense. Like, and he's he's worked, he works on a fast-paced team. He can play, you know, slow pace, but he also works on a fast-paced team. The Raptors weren't a slow team. So it's interesting to see if he could go there. But I also had Dallas, because we know they love the foreigners, and I feel like he could help. Porzingis and help the defensive side of the ball where, you know, that takes the um, the pressure off Porzingis because everybody calls him soft. Everybody believes he's soft and he doesn't really play defense. So I could see Ibaka kind of taking over that defensive role and letting Porzingis focus on offense. And then my last one was the Lakers. And we already know why. They kind of need a power forward slash big man to go alongside AD. If AD decides to play center, and like you said, Ibaka could play center, it doesn't matter. But that fit obviously just fits perfectly. So I had those three teams, but now that I keep talking about it, I kind of want to see him in Dallas or Golden State. It's funny that you bring up Dallas. Dallas has been a team that I've been thinking about overall for the past couple of days, probably past week or so. And I'm going to say something interesting about Dallas right now that I think that may happen. It hasn't really been said or anything, but I just got a hunch about it. After this year, if we don't see a healthy season from Porzingis, he will be traded. I really feel that. Especially if they go after somebody like a Giannis, there's no way that I, I can't see a Porzingis, Giannis, Luka lineup as it is. Milwaukee's going to want something back in return. I feel like that best trade piece asset for you and for Luka's future overall would be for you to trade Porzingis for Giannis. And no, it won't be straight up, of course. There'll be other pieces involved. But Porzingis has not proved to be a healthy player. At least for Giannis, his durability has never really been in question. 
he yes he's missed games before but he hasn't been missing the amount of time that Kristaps has shown to miss and even as just as recent in the playoff bubble hurts his it tears him his meniscus and how long is Luca going to really want to put up with that as a teammate yeah they can be buddy buddy off the court but when it comes down to it nah I can't keep playing with someone who's not here who can't play that's just me and again for like you said I feel that Dallas is always a team that's eager in free agency so I'll definitely like to see them go after the Joe Harris type of player or Serge Ibaka or for them they either might go after somebody like Danilo Gallinari also as well so it's definitely be pretty it's going to be interesting like always in a free agency time it's something like musical chairs so that's why I love it yeah, and speaking of Danilo, I only have two options for him, and that's because you could tell he wants to win, and he's already been, you know, asking on IG, and he's made quotes throughout the season, man. I say Heat or Lakers, and I have Heat as the favorites right now, like 60-40 split, because he'll have a bigger role on the Heat, obviously. But with the Lakers, he probably, you know, could win a little more. So those two teams is the only options for me. Dallas maybe could sneak in there, but I think he's he's been on those teams already. He's been on the Clippers. Yep, he's been yep. on the Nuggets. The Knicks weren't, you know, really anything. But he's been on those teams where it's like are like like a Dallas. Dallas is like the older Clippers where they're they're kind of there, but they're they're still missing a piece. So I don't think he goes there. I only see those two options. I don't think Brooklyn has the money for him or kind of the space, especially if they're going to try to retain Joe Harris. So I wouldn't say Brooklyn. And the Bucks, we already know they don't have any money, so I don't see him going there. So it's just those two options as, you know, the teams that could win. And maybe, hey, maybe he could reunite with the Clippers. But the Clippers have, you know, a certain amount of money too where if they throw the bag at him, they probably won't get that point guard they're begging for or be able to um, re-sign Marcus Morris or uh, Montrez. So it's going to be hard. I don't really see those teams. That's why I only have two teams down. And now that I'm thinking about it, maybe we could talk Celtics, but not really because they already have a lot of forwards over there, and I think they need actual big men. So that's why I keep breaking it down to just these two teams. Yeah, I feel for Danilo Gallinari's situation, he's only looking at trying to join the championship contending team. So, like you said, Brooklyn, I feel that he's more of a plan B option for them. They're going to look more forward into retaining the Joe Harris. Um, I have the Lakers also for Dino, Danilo Gallinari. Only is why I didn't put the Clippers because he already been through the Clippers um, organization once. He kind of sees – we all kind of see how that's playing out right now. So, I don't, I don't know and what their situation is because, like you said – they also are looking into re-signing Montrez Harrell, Marcus Morris. They're going to probably have to free themselves from that Patrick Beverly contract in order to bring in a point guard that's going to make their team better. And then also another piece who we'll probably see get traded because his contract is so team-friendly is Lou Williams. So Clippers definitely are in flux with their roster situation. So like you said, Miami, the Lakers – are probably the best two perfect fit teams for him as far as him wanting to go win a ring right now. Yeah. I have some other guys, but, you know, I want to hear some of your free agents in your list. For sure, man. Um, definitely some of the names I got, and just because they made some type of 
a playoff. They have some type of impact on the playoffs. Um, Jay Crowder, he's a he's a piece where he's going to do all the dirty work. He's going to go out there, guard your best player. I'm not saying he's going to lock down your best player, but he's going to go out there, give them fits. He's occasionally going to hit you, get you for three, four threes a game. So he's definitely an interesting piece to see it goes forward. I want to see if Miami brings him along or if they just use him as a trade pawn like everybody else has. He's always a good trade asset. Another team, another player I want to see, um, I want to see Carmelo, man. I want to see what Carmelo decides to do. A lot of people counted my man out. That was very disrespectful. Portland gave him his rose, gave him his flowers for that opportunity, the chance to show out what he can do. So I believe he may stay in Portland just because from that loyalty aspect. But Melo deserves a ring, man. And I, and I know how you feel about Melo. So so what you, what you think Melo should do? I'm going to be real. I don't think he goes back to the Blazers. I think the Blazers gave him his shot. But I think the Blazers are smart enough to know they have Rodney Hood coming back and possibly Trevor Ariza. So I think they'll try to play that role of, oh, we don't have enough you know, space or money. They're not going to shun him. Like, they're not going to throw him to the side. But I don't see him going back to Portland because, like you said, he showed his worth. So I think Melo can still play. And I don't think he'll be cool with being the 14th man on the bench. Maybe he will because he said he will. But after showing what he could do, a couple game winners this year, I don't think so. So I have him maybe reuniting (laughs) in the Madison Square Garden, possibly. No, no. I, I, I know, I know, but you know, history is history. Like, especially with Leon Rose there, I, I just don't know. It's not, it's not the same. So maybe that. And then my last two teams was just Brooklyn and the Lakers. Brooklyn because you know they, they were trying to vouch for him before he signed with uh, Portland. He was working out with the team. A lot of guys were filling him. They kept trying to vouch for him. So after showing what he's worth in the actual NBA, not just practices and uh, workouts, I think Brooklyn probably, you know, could go after him and fill out their roster because they need to fill out their roster. And he could probably, you know, take a cheaper deal. So Brooklyn and then the Lakers, we already know, like, we have roster space. If Rondo decides to walk, KCP decides to walk, we're going to have, you know, money to be able to, you know, throw little bags at certain players. And I'm not saying he'll get a bag, but, you know, a mid-level contract, you know, five, six million, possibly, or 3.5 million, whatever. And, you know, he comes and teams up with LeBron. He doesn't play a crazy role, maybe 20, 25 minutes. And he gets his shine in L.A., gets a ring. So it's only those three teams I could see. I kind of see the league still being the league where they're they're going to act like he's not blackballed or – they're going to act like he can't play. It's, it's going to be something to where I don't really see him having, you know, 10 teams coming after him or even five. Yeah, it's definitely interesting to hear um, to see what teams are going to be interested in Carmelo and what teams are not going to be interested in Melo just because the ins and outs of the basketball world, things that we don't hear about, don't see about. And it's a damn shame, honestly, because Melo shouldn't have been shamed out the league for as long as he was because he can definitely still clearly is still a bucket on a playoff team um again brooklyn la definitely be great options for carmelo to go to fill in that six-man role be able to just get buckets in a 20 25 minute role like you said another role that i'll be interested to see him in on a team would be denver i would like to see denver bring him back only for the fact 
that he can definitely fit that role as far as another third option for them. I think they should move on from Paul Millsap. And Jeremy Grant is probably going to go somewhere and get a bag. I don't think they're going to be willing to give him a bag like that just yet, especially knowing that they have Michael Porter Jr. waiting in the, in the wings. So you can have Carmelo mold Michael Porter Jr. into being that third scoring option to that star that that he's projected to be. And I think that will be really cool to see also as well. Yeah, that's, that's going to be interesting, especially because Jeremy Grant, you know, like you said, he's probably going to decline. His, or he already did decline his player option. But I, I low-key see the Nuggets kind of giving him that back. I don't know why, but I do. But um, another team – or not another team, but another player that might get that bag is Christian Wood. So I, I kind of got him. Christian Wood, I want to say, is probably like the – best kept secret as far as people who don't know what he can truly do. Like for those who play 2K, you know what Christian Wood can do. All right. He has been <laughs> popping up, been able to give you 2K numbers for, I don't know how many years now. All right. Let's just call it what it is. And he's been on teams. He's been on summer league teams. He's been getting the brunt of those, of those minutes late in the season where a lot of teams are starting to pack it in. But I thought with Detroit, he definitely had a great option to show what we can do. And just seeing some of the work that he's been able to put in, he wants to prove himself to be uh, not just an NBA player, rotation player, but he wants to put his imprint on the league. So I want to see what team is going to grab him up, snatch him up, and be able to really mold him into the player that he wants to become. Yeah, and just like you were saying, he's been on G League teams. He's been cut a couple times. So I know this sounds crazy. But I have him taking that bag like Bobby Portis and going to the Knicks, possibly. But my other team, go ahead. For his situation, I feel like it will work. I'm not. I'm not going to shame Dolan as far as not bringing in any talent because, again, just from a, a pure basketball standpoint, we want to see New York do well. We just don't want to see Dolan do well. So again. When players do have an opportunity in New York, especially on that type of stage, playing at the Garden, I think that's someone who's going to – he's someone who's going to relish that moment also. So if if New York decides to throw a bag at him, I'll say for, for him, go take it, man. Go take and go show. Go show what you can do. Yeah. So I see that happening or possibly the Lakers where they kind of – he doesn't get a big bag, but he gets a chance to win and maybe, you know, $10 million. I don't know, 12. I don't I don't know what his true value is. Like you said, he's a sleeper and he's not really like with all the other forwards, he's not really like the highest on the list, but I can see him as backup option for a lot of teams. But those two teams kind of fit him the best cuz he is 25, he's 6'10". You know him and AD front court is kind of crazy or like I said with the Knicks depending what they want to do, him and Mitchell Robinson could be a cool front front court. It won't be great, but it could be pretty good. Oh, yeah, so definitely. I, I had him. And then Montrez, man, I see him going to the basketball hell. I see him going to the Hornets. And <laughs> taking that back. Yeah. <laughs> Especially because it's going to depend if the Clippers are smart enough to – because they're honestly, it's, it's looking like they're going to have to choose between him and Morris. And I think Morris brings more to the team and to the table. 
and Montrez hurts them a little bit more than Morris does. Yeah, Morris wasn't hitting shots like that, but everything else is, is you know, more important. He can shoot. He can pick and pop. He can play defense. He's a tough guy. Like, he has a little bit more to bring to the table than Montrez does. So I see Montrez being undervalued by the Clippers and going to get that bag. Yeah, I think with Montrez here, he's one foot out the door with the Clippers, especially after hearing the whole Paul George explanation of why they didn't make it to out of the um, the second round. I think that that made him kind of just put one foot door out, one foot out the door already. Um, and again, I hope he doesn't. But again, he deserves a bag after that six man. Michael Jordan is known for overpaying players. Look what he did for Nicholas Batum. Nicholas Batum is set for life off that Michael Jordan contract. And I believe that comes off the books. So, hey, somebody got to get that money. Why not Montrez? Yeah. And I'm going to throw this out there, even though he's restricted. Don't sleep on the Hawks making a big offer to Brandon Ingram. I said the same thing during the season, man. I, for some reason why, I want to see B.I. and Atlanta teaming up with Trey Young. I think that's a young duo right there that can really that can really take storm in a few years in the league with that duo together with that shooting, his playmaking, and Brandon Ingram can go get any bucket. He's getting better throughout every year. I, that's something that's been on my mind for a while now. Okay, that's good then, because I, I can see it, and then I can see them, you know, trading away um, Kevin Hort, Horter, letting his little contract go, and, you know, really throwing that bag at Ingram, and then you have you have uh, Trey, you have Cam, you have Ingram, you have John Collins and Capella. That's not a bad lineup at all. That's a, that's a great lineup right there for Lloyd Pierce, I think. And then also yeah. as well – we haven't heard too much. We haven't heard David, David Griffin come out at all saying he's willing to give Brandon Ingram the max contract. I thought that was, it was weird that he didn't get the contract extension during the season. But, but hey, we should see, man. That's going to be interesting to see. But I got a question for you. Do you think Gordon Hayward opts out of a $34 million contract with the Boston Celtics? Hell no. Hell no. <laughs> he opts in. I think. He opts in, and they, they look at their trade value, see if they're going to get value for him. And we already know Danny Ainge is stingy, so he's probably going to have Gordon Hayward as the best small forward in the league. Not not literally, but, like, that's right. how he's going to try to trade him. So I think he opts in. They don't get the trade value. Like I said earlier when we were talking about, you know, possible trades and all that in the offseason, I think they should try to go trade him for LaMarcus Aldridge because that's like their contract kind of add up almost. But other than that, he's not going to find the value for him. So I think they they keep him unless they trade him for like drumming or something like they should have done in the regular season. But, hey, I don't know. I But he's not he's not opting out. No way. Gordon, be a damn fool if you, if you leave $34 million all on the table because you're not getting that contract anywhere else with your recent reach, with your injury history and your durability, and then you still not really being that same score that you were in Utah, ain't no way in hell you getting $34 million from a contending team. So his best situation is probably to opt in. And like you said, I'm sure Danny Ainge will value him 
at a top three small forward. I'm sure he can hoodwink Sacramento into get it, getting Bondanovich or Buddy Hill out of it. Who knows? Sacramento is also three three trades away from being in basketball deaths of hell also as well. Free De'Aaron Fox, man. That, that organization don't know what the hell they're doing over there. Nah, free Buddy Hill, man. The guy went from one of the best three-point shooters to the bench, and it's crazy. Like, he's been begging to, you know, get a better role. He's been ignoring Luke Walton's calls. He's been asking to be traded, man. Free him. De'Aaron Fox, you know, he's young. He'll probably he'll probably get the bag thrown at him, too. But Buddy Hill, man, he came in the league old with his lying ass. But hey. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't know about him. I don't know about the Kings, period. But yeah, last man. one is Marcus Morris, man. So, like I said, I think the Clippers choose him over Hero. But if they don't, let's say they flip it. My only other two options were the Heat because, you know, he could play with Bam. Kind of, let's say, Jay Crowder walks or they trade Jay Crowder. He can fill in his role. Or... I see, and this is a very last option. It's not because I'm a Laker fan. I'll say it's only like 20%. I see the Lakers. He teams up with his brother. He stays in L.A., and they do their thing. He's he's not part of Clutch anymore, so nope. I can see him not even getting a chance to be on the Lakers. But there's only three teams that fit him and his, you know, criteria right now. He just saw his brother win a ring. And I seen all the tweets and, you know, the IGs and all the things he was talking about. You can tell he wants to win bad. So that's why I didn't have a 10-team list of where he could go. I don't really see the Nets because I don't think they have the money. And I don't think they'll go after him. So it was only those three teams and those three options to win. I get that. I, I hear you on that. I would I'll throw on one more team. And again, it's because I, I look at Dallas, like how I look at Denver, how they took the steps of them. They lost in the, the previous last year. They lost in the second round, seven games of Portland this year. They get to the conference finals, lose against the Lakers. I think Dallas pulls a Philadelphia, what Philadelphia did, and bringing in out Horford into to their team. I think that they lure him away if they can. They'll lure him away from the Lakers or the Clippers, I should say, and bring him into Dallas to play that same enforcer role. But also, he's still going to get his number called to knock down many shots playing with Luka and the ball moving over there that they have in that offensive system. So if if he's not in a win right now mode, I can see him going to Dallas, probably getting a little bit of money more than expected over there. And again, Miami, Miami's just, I think, the best free agent shooter team. If you want to win now, especially if you fit that mold and that culture like he does, that's a perfect situation sense for him also as well. Only reason why I didn't put the Lakers, because like you said, the the co-general manager and Rich Paul, I don't I don't know if he's gonna okay to that. Yeah, and the only thing, this is the only reason I didn't have Dallas on a lot of lists. Because, like you said, they they made the steps and they're looking intriguing. Is they have that eighteen million dollar player option of uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. So if he accepts it, that takes away a lot of money. Or he declines it, they are already on his list of teams pursuing him. So it depends what they do with him. I think that changes their whole free agency 
um, you know, targets, like who, who they go after or how they spend their money. And like we both said, Mark Cuban likes to, you know, overspend on guys or overvalue guys or fall in love with guys. And I think Tim Hardaway Jr. did enough for Mark Cuban and, you know, the rest of the team to really love him and try to keep him on the squad. So that's really my most important thing for Dallas as in their free agency um, targets and, you know, their task in free agency. I think retaining Tim Hardaway Jr. is most important. Definitely for that team. Tim Hardaway, to me, like you said, we stated earlier before previous episodes, Tim Hardaway was a great third option for that team. I felt that he finally found his niche and his role after playing in, in Atlanta, playing in New York. He's found a home in Dallas. And like you said, he may even opt out of that contract to probably take a little bit less so they can lure in another free agent also as well. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see how they swing that. But we talked about clutches just for a little bit as we talked about the free agency man i don't i i do know what it is as far as the clutch the clutch hate but i just want to know why why is it warranted so much man like they 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 hosted a pro day that a lot of people deem is wrong in their eyes and that they're that they're exposing their players that they're they're pimping their players pretty much and their prospects when the league has even came out and said that they broke no rules at all. And I have a problem with that because in a pandemic that we're living in, there's no NBA draft combine. There's no no workouts going on as far as what you can see that's available every year through this draft process. This is going to be a hard process, not just for teams, but also players to show and prove what they can do going forward. So for Rich Paul to be able to put on a pro day for Tyrese Maxey and Anthony Edwards to show what they can do and showcase what their improvements, I love it. I want to know how, how you feel about it real quick. Yeah, I, I'm on your side, but I'm not going to lie. Last night, and it's so funny because, you know, we do our notes or whatever. I didn't even go looking for it, but I stumbled across Instagram. I didn't know Quavo was there. And I was I thought it was not a big up. deal. But that shit pissed me off. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, <laughs> what are you doing there? And then he had a whole photo shoot. He had like 12 photos. What is he doing there? I understand, you know, the culture and, you know, b- rappers and basketball players, whatever. But that was the only thing that pissed me off. I just had to say that because I, I looked at it and I was like, what the fuck was the point of you being there? Like, I don't get it. But, hey, I'll leave that alone. The hate period is crazy man I don't know what to even say about it because it's like he could sign a guy for a two year 20 million dollar deal and they'll say oh he he overvalued his player he's trying to change the whole culture of that team he's cheating the team bro everything is hate for Rich Paul and I'm tired of it I'm not even a fan like I don't even care about agents like that but since they made him so popular I'm on his team. I definitely agree with that, man. They want to make Rich Paul most hated. Well, hey, guess what? We we rooting for him now. And like you said, I that was my whole, the, the only knock I had on that pro day was the whole Quavo situation. Like I literally popped up. I'm looking through. I'm even watching the the workout. Got to get to ch- uh, check it on ESPN too. I'm pulled up on YouTube. 
And one of the first people I see is Quave. I'm like, why the hell is he here? But hey, that's I guess when you got ties like that, hey, whatever. But at the end of the day, Rich Paul continues to find a way to write the book. I feel yeah. that a lot we're gonna see a lot of agencies and player reps that are, that are gonna hate on this, but he set the bar. Like for for example, next year, I guarantee you we'll see Rock Nations hold a pro day for their top prospects or something doing with Puma to be able to hold their next to hold their pro day. And we're gonna see this this being copycatted from around the league from different sports agencies. So again, we just need to get his man his flowers. And it's not just him, it's other people behind the behind the scenes. Um, one dude named Luke Newton, who I also follow on Instagram, he's definitely heavily involved in working with the players and clutch sports as well. And it's not just LeBron, how everybody thinks it's LeBron and Chris Paul that are just pulling the strings. And it's not like LeBron's getting a percentage of these players' contracts. So again, I love the fact that clutch has been showing themselves as as the far so far as me as be a family. Because again, you've seen Anthony Davis, LeBron, KCP, different NBA superstars, Christian Thompson show up to these to these players showcase and they don't have to be there at all. But for them to show a brotherhood and that type of family sense, that that is definitely cool with me. And I, I can't can't knock that at all. Yeah, the only thing I ask is Rich Paul, please keep Tristan Thompson away from the fucking Lakers. Please. I don't like that <laughs> man. I don't see no value in him. I don't, if he signs a $1 million deal, then cool. Anything over five, six million, I will be hating all season until he gets me 20 rebounds. He, oh man, I hate Tristan Thompson. Like, he's so nasty. Like, please keep him away. And I keep seeing little small rumors. I seen rumors at the trade deadline when he possibly was gonna get um waived. They're like, oh yeah, he's gonna sign with the Lakers. Yo, if he's not bringing real value for his dollar, just like Dwight Howard did, and Dwight Howard set the bar for every, you know, valuable player. If you not, you know, doing what he did with that small contract, get the hell out of LA, man, and stay away. Right you know, now we winning, and I don't want to hear nothing. I don't want to see nothing that just pisses me off. We're not going through that, man. We we winning. So keep him away. He's not a winner. He's not. LeBron carried him. He's not a winner. Get Keep him away. I seen him at the pro day. That was another thing that pissed me off. I seen him, and I was like, yo, get out of here. Like, you don't even fit the criteria, man. Go back to wherever you, you live. Leave us alone. I don't want to see him nowhere near the Lakers. And I keep hearing little rumors, and that's why I'm getting more and more irritated because it's like, He's an undersized center. Cool. I understand that. You know, he's a hustler. Cool. Understand that. Well, what else does he do? He doesn't set great screens. It's not like he's a pick and roll guy. He literally just offensive rebound maybe a couple times and a quick dunk. He's he's barely, you know, he's like his comparison is Montrez to me. He's not really that great. Not He's not that good. Like, keep him away. I don't want him. But Rich Paul, back to him. Rich Paul, I kind of been, you know, thinking about it, and I'm not like a heavy baseball guy, so don't kill me in the comments or whatever. But I kind of compare this to Scott Boris because, you know, MLB teams and other agents hated Scott Boris because he was able to squeeze every penny out of a team and get the value for his players. And at the end of the day, that's what an agent is supposed to do. He's supposed to squeeze every penny. He's supposed to get the value for his players, and he's supposed to put his players in the right position to win or to succeed in life. 
So that's all Rich Paul is doing. And if people are hating on that, then clearly they just hating on black people or they hating on young black dudes getting money, honestly. Cosign, man. Like you said, you brought up Scott Boris, and he was known for getting him hundreds of millions of dollars for A-Rod and other player reps that he represented. So, again, just charge it to the game, man. Don't hate the player. Hate the game. That's not his fault. He, he knows what he's doing. As you see, the players are not complaining. So, if they're not complaining, get out these man's pockets, man. Go let this man go to work. He's out here changing lives, man. Simple as that. Yeah, and he was honorable. When Marcus Morris switched from the Spurs to the Knicks, he dropped Marcus because he felt like Marcus should have honored his con or his uh commitment to the Spurs. So if anything, you could say he's real. He's not a snake. Like he showed publicly that he was a real dude for that. He could have easily, all right, we got more money with the Knicks. Cool. No, his word is his bond. They made a um commitment, which we've never seen. You know, well, I'm not going to say never, but we rarely see a player switch from a commitment during free agency period. So if he made that commitment and he switched and and he cut him as a client, we got to respect that. And he kept his brother. So it's like it's not like he did some snake move where it's like, I don't really rock with uh, Marcus. It's like, no, I went on my word. I said you were signing here and then you flipped on me. I got to let you go. So that's respectable. We got to respect things like that. It's the little, it's little characters and guys where you got to respect it or you don't. And Rich Paul hasn't done anything snakish. We haven't seen him, you know, uh, force players on a team. Like, the Lakers were literally built year by year. First, KCP came. He got that contract. Rich Paul had him. Cool. LeBron came the next year. AD came the next year. It's not like we just had a super team all coming one year that's all under clutch. That's never happened. So I don't know why the hate is there, but hey, keep hating. Uh, I'm a Laker fan, so right now we winning. I ain't worried about none of the hate. Yeah, I love it, man. Simple as that. The The more you win, the more they hate. So keep bringing it on. Man, speaking of, speaking of teams who, who are trying to taste that winning, or in this case, trying to win again, it's been a little little rumor that teams are now starting to show their hands a little bit as far as what they're interested in trading for Giannis so far. Rather, Giannis signs a, a super max extension during the offseason or not, I highly doubt that he does. Shows Miami and Golden State has been rumored that that they they're two of the top two of the top teams that are looking into trading for Giannis right now. So for Miami. They've already came out and said Tyler Hero and Bam are not untouchable. And that is big as far as Miami and their pursuit of Giannis going forward. And as far as Golden State, Golden State has said they have a very intriguing offer, which, of course, is going to include the number two overall pick. But to make it intriguing, that means an all-star has to be also involved in there. And no, I'm not talking about Andrew Wiggins because he's not an all-star. So that either means you're putting Draymond Green in that deal because you're not going to break up Steph and Clay. So my question is to you, man, what, if if you're a Milwaukee sitting back and you have no you have no commitment from Giannis and you you're willing to deal him, what do you think may be the best option at hand for you? Go to state because I'm going to say it like this and I'm not going to say from Milwaukee standpoint. I'm going to start off just period. Golden State has pulled off everything we thought they couldn't. They got KD 
They got Boogie at the time. They got um, D'Angelo Russell, which was like really left field. And all the, you know, veterans that have come throughout the years of their championships and all that. So Golden State just somehow is always able to pull off something we don't see coming. And, you know, that's the reason this Giannis Warriors thing even started, because people were tired of not knowing how Golden State moves. So they they threw this out there a year and a half ago. So it's been out there. But now all the pieces are kind of falling in the place of Golden State to make the offer for Giannis so if I'm the Bucks, going back to you know being in the Bucks mindset like you said I'm 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 going with Golden State number two pick I think they we got to go back to when they drafted Jabari right after um Andrew Wiggins they liked Andrew Wiggins and he hasn't been bad he's had one bad season but in all honesty people call him a bust and all that you go look at his numbers he's not a bust so you go get Wiggins, you go get the second pick, because I don't think they're going to take Draymond, and I don't think the Warriors are really going to trade Draymond. I mean, they should. Like, they should take Draymond for the trade, but Wiggins is younger, and Wiggins sounds a little bit more appealing. I don't. I think Draymond on his own team, we're just going to be real. Like, he's not Draymond. He's never going to be. And I think teams know that, which is why they've never traded for Draymond. And I don't think they'll get the vibe. I don't think Draymond's mindset would be the same if he was on his own team. That's just my personal opinion. So they take that second pick. They take Wiggins. And then, of course, the Warriors are the Warriors. They're probably going to sprinkle a little something else in there. And then once you get Giannis, man, it's going to be easy for them to sign veteran minimum deals because that's a bandwagon. Boom. That's a championship team. I'm jumping on it. That's what Vets going to do. And I really believe just because I'm done, you know, being out the loop when it comes to the Warriors, I really believe they pull it off. I think they're the only team that could do it. Possibly the Celtics, if the Celtics were smart enough to give up their two picks and maybe Jalen Brown and something, I can see maybe that. But the Warriors are the Warriors, man. They're, they're too smart. Bob Myers, you know, was molded by Jerry West. He's he's done some really good deals. He's gotten some value. We've seen him get D'Angelo, say he's not going to trade him, then was able to trade him for Andrew Wiggins and whatever else was in that deal. I don't remember like that. But it worked out for him, and now Andrew Wiggins is talked about in the Giannis trade. Like, think about that. A year ago, would we really think uh, Andrew Wiggins would be possible in the Giannis trade? And now he is, including with the second pick. So I got the Warriors, man. Yeah, I'm not too sure what everyone expected from Andrew Wiggins or what the bar that they set for him, but Andrew Wiggins is not that bad of a player. Yes, no, he's not an all-star as far as making an all-star team, but we have to realize where he's playing and the position he's playing at. It is deep in the West. If you, I'm going to say this now, if you are a forward or a guard in the West, you can almost just kiss an all-star appearance goodbye if you're not a James Harden, LeBron James, or a Steph Curry. That shit is hard to come by. Like I can, it, It's probably beneficial that they don't have all-star games this year, just so we don't have to hear the complaint about who got snubbed, who should have made it, who shouldn't have made it. Just good. Save all that for another year. But just to hop back on this point, Andrew Wiggins is more than a serviceable NBA player, especially with the way Milwaukee Bucks run their system, Coach Bud is not just a one-player 
oriented system where he's going to put the ball in his hands and go, he's going to find the best way to have Andrew Wiggins be successful. Um, if, if it was up to me, I think you have more to play with in the Golden State deal. I don't think you can go wrong in any deal, to, to be exact, but it just depends what direction you want to go and and where you can win more. And luckily being in the East, again, I think you have a higher chances with whoever that number two pick is, rather if it's Anthony Edwards or LaMelo Ball, who I still think those are two franchise-changing players possibly. You match them with an Andrew Wiggins, and let's say – if they go and trade for Eric Pascal in that deal also as well to make it enticing because he shows more upside to me than a Draymond Green from his offensive package out of a rookie year alone and being a second round pick. So if you can find those little gems within the deal and being able to bring that over too, I think Milwaukee has something to play with going forward and some they can build off of. And again, it all depends who that second pick is for me. But again, if they decide to go to Miami route, you already have, uh, a franchise player in place in Bam, but then again, how much are you really going to build around Bam as far as him going forward as a franchise player, really? Yeah, and that's why, like, I see the Heat rumors. Can we just be real? When has Pat Riley really made a big deal other than that Shaq deal? I can't really think of – he's signed players, but I I don't see him making big deals. Like, it just doesn't happen. And then – we already know that's a that's a free agency destination. So who knows? He might just sit out, say, cool, y'all go trade for whatever. We can go pick up free agents. Like, that's just what I see. I don't see the Heat going all in, honestly. And it's been confusing me why they keep bringing up the Heat because, like you said, okay, cool, Bam's in the deal, but what else? Like, the Heat aren't going to put Bam and Tyler in the deal. So if they don't, they don't really have much value. There's a lot of free agents on their squad. So it's not like they could just – and then their their picks aren't going to be worth anything because they're a top team. So it's just like I don't really see the value with the Heat with just Bam and something else. Like there's more value with Andrew Wiggins and a second-round pick. I mean second overall pick. That's, that's way huger than Bam, period. If just those two were the trade, Andrew Wiggins and the second pick, that's bigger than Bam because you get Andrew Wiggins and, like you said – possibly LaMelo, possibly um, Anthony Edwards. And then you can move on from Bledsoe. So clearly the Warriors to me are clear front runners. I don't even, I honestly like I'm starting to like exit out every other team because the Warriors just have the deal. I feel like they have the deal in their hands, honestly. Yeah, man, I think your best situation if you're Milwaukee, if you go and pull that trigger, I would say you go pull, you go talk to Golden State and you go dot your I's, cross your T's as far as what you want out of that deal to go along with the second pick and Andrew Wiggins. Because again, Draymond Green does not make you a better team unless you have a step for Clay or some shooters around him going forward that, that are built that way. So. Milwaukee should just exercise all, all their options if they're willing to pull a trigger on a player. Like they said, now Drew Holiday's available. I'll be interested if Milwaukee will trade for a Drew Holiday or if they'll trade for a Chris Paul. It's, just, it's a lot that's up in the air, man. And then also with the number two pick, with the draft, we know that there there's a lot of teams who are willing to move their draft picks right now because – for whatever reasons, it's 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 not a, a lot of people don't see it as a strong draft. Maybe because they weren't able to do their research 
and the deep dive into players how they usually do. But again, a lot of teams are shopping around their picks. We know Golden State is, we've rumored to have heard Minnesota is interested in moving back. And we got teams like New York who wants to move up in the draft. Dallas is shopping their number 18 pick. And of course, Danny Ainge, who trades for every pick, is now shopping every pick, which is asinine to me. He's probably the most overrated GM in the league. But again, we'll probably say that for next week, talk when we dive deeper into the NBA draft, man. But again, it's going to be interesting to see going forward what, what, what may happen. I mean, I love it. As we keep saying, the NBA is the greatest reality show that we got going. Yeah, no, it is. And it's going to be fun to see. I think I think a lot of people expect many moves to happen. And because of we don't know the salary cap and all that, I think it would be minimal moves. Not like two to three, but it's going to be less moves than people expect because a lot of people think every team's going to make a move. And that's just not going to happen, bro. I don't think the Hornets make a move. I think the Clippers are, you know, pretty quiet because I don't think they're going to have the trade value or the money. It's a lot of teams where I could, we could break down where it's like, I don't think they're going to make moves like that. So it's, it's going to be interesting, but I think some fans of certain teams are going to be disappointed, but the top teams are going to be happy because obviously the top teams gets everything and then everybody else trickles down. So we'll see how that works. But, you know, Drew Holiday news makes everything – you know, more interesting because we want to see who's going to trade for him or if the Pelicans actually do trade him. Because if they do trade him, what do they get? And do they do they trade him to retain Brandon Ingram and give him that Supermax? Or do they just trade him to get value and then see what they do with Brandon Ingram? It'll be interesting. So we'll see. Yeah, Brooklyn, line, Brooklyn, you're on line one. You're up. I think Brooklyn is the best bet and the best fit who can offer value and someone who can retain back as far as what Spencer Dinwiddie, we know his situation with Brooklyn that's on the table right now. So again, um, hey, it's going to be interesting to see this rat race for Drew Holiday because we know how valuable he's been for the Hornets and, well, for the Pelicans, I'm sorry, and then also just across the league. Um, it's really good to see a lot of players also step up and mention Drew Holiday's name as far as the, the best-kept secret and most underrated player and I think it's finally time that that he gets his flowers for it. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I, I've i heard this before, so it feels like smoke and mirrors again. Like, hopefully they do finally trade him because I want to see him win. But I'm going to just have to wait to see if they actually trade him before I just get excited or say who's going to get him. Obviously, like you said, Brooklyn, they need to go crazy and go straight after him. The Heat, possibly. I can see, you know, David Griffin loves taking picks and young players, so a Duncan Robinson, maybe, or if you do get rid of Tyler Hero. I don't really see them doing that for Tyler, but we'll see. I um I hope it's not just smoke and mirrors or he doesn't get traded to a team that isn't a win-now team. Bucks could be interesting, like you said, but I don't know, man. It's it's like, who do they trade for? It's all about value when it comes to these trades. And if they don't have enough value, then the trade is either not going to happen or they can't agree upon it. 
So we'll see. Yeah, every year, man, you know, we're always going to hear the rumors. We're going to hear the names. So we just got to sit back and relax and just wait to see who pulls that trigger, who's willing to make themselves better, and and also who's, who's willing just to sit back and just play the cards right. So with that being said, man, we got the draft coming up soon. You know, we'll dive deeper into that next week. Uh, with that being said, I want to thank everybody that's listening. Again, that's that's following, subscribing to us. Um, continue to spread the word. We're going to continue to bring you guys good content, authentic content also that's on the way. Um, again, we support, protect our black women. We want to treat and teach and lead the youth in the right direction, man. Luke Ford, you got anything you want to say to the people before we get on out of here? Yeah, man. Salute to the people. You know, stay tuned. Um, stay in tune with our Twitter and Instagram. You know, we're always on there. Um, continue to show love. We appreciate it, man. We we gonna keep grinding this out. We're seeing results, so we appreciate y'all. We got over 500 plays now, so that's dope to see. You know, I listen to it all the time, but to hear other people listen to it and you know give me feedback or you know, just say how they feel or even just repost it real quick, even if they don't listen, you know, the ladies, you know, the younger kids that have been shouting us out, man, we salute and appreciate all y'all. The love is real. We gonna keep going, you know, so it, it's it's dope to see the love. We gonna, we gonna keep this, you know, moving. Like, it's just exciting to even think about every time, man. Like, I'm excited to be here every week, so Next week is going to be even better, man. We got more coming. Yes, sir. To everybody out there, you guys stay safe. Continue to wear your mask, please. All right. And, hey, you guys have a great day. Have a great week, man. We out. We out of here. Peace. Click the subscribe button and make sure to follow us on our Instagram page at Ball Never Lie Pod and our Twitter page, BNL underscore podcast.